Recording in progress. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Joint Avenue Podcast. This is specifically episode six. And Mark, it's been a while again, but it's good to be back. It is good to be back. Got a lot of fun things to talk about today, catching up. Um, Also an awesome interview in store. Yes, indeed. I'm your host, Albert. And I am 2021 Fantasy Football League champion, Mark. Oh, hey, actually, before we talk about that, can you give everyone, since it's been a little bit, can you give everyone a brief description about what we, who we are and what we're about? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're the Joint Avenue Podcast. We're just two dudes um, just trying to have conversations with cool people, with cool stories that guys like us probably won't get to experience. So it's a chance for us to make new connections, hear some stories and share some laughs. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you, Mark, very much. All right. Tell us about uh, your you winning your uh, fantasy league because that's quite that's quite an achievement. I know this is um, quite the achievement, quite the feat that I never thought I'd I'd get to. Um, so this is actually my first year. I took a, I've been on a hiatus on a sabbatical for the past couple of seasons because um, I wanted to have a life, um, and then somehow <laughs> I got roped into um, participating in this league, but. Um, phenomenal season. I think I went 11 and three, 11 and four in the regular season. Um, had, had some adversity, um, lost Derrick Henry halfway through. Um, I had Leonard Fournette, my other starting running back go on IR late in the season. So, um, it's been tumultuous at some points, but also had some studs. I had Josh Allen, um, who else we got, uh, Stefan Diggs and, uh, Tom Brady as QB two. So, um, overall, um, yeah, it was great. I actually thought I was going to lose my semifinal matchup, but somehow miraculously pulled it off. I actually even, uh, posted about it on my Instagram before that weekend finished saying like, Oh yeah, I've lost <laughs> all is ruined, but all yeah, give it on top. Well, congrats on winning your fantasy league, Mark. That is always quite the achievement. And, uh, are you going to be repeating, as champion next year? I don't know. This is actually a conversation that we could have, um, on air. Um, yeah, I'm trying to decide, do I, do I continue? Do I defend my crown or might defend my crown or do I step up to the big leagues and get into sports gambling? Oh, that's, that's good. Oh, because it's legal where you live, right? Yes. Yes. Mm. And it's now legal where, where you live, right? Yes. Well, hope, yeah, it just got passed into law. I, I okay. think they're still working out the details and such, but um, sure. I'm sure, yeah, I'll be bombarded with uh, advertisements for like all the <laughs> sports books here soon. Exciting stuff. Yeah. What's, what's new with you? It's been, it's been a while since we've talked on air. Well, I just saw a tweet about uh, Elon Musk. Uh, tweeting at McDonald's about, you know, he'll eat a happy meal on live TV if uh, they start accepting Dogecoin. So, you know, I really hope that McDonald's uh, does start accepting Dogecoin because I do want to see the, like, he is the world's richest man, uh, or no, not just the richest man, but the richest person in the world. Um, Eat a happy meal on live TV. That'd be something. But also, you know what the crazy part is Um, with that whole thing? thing so when mcdonald's replied back in a tweet at elon musk saying um we'll we'll accept dogecoin if you like accept this like it's one of the mcdonald's characters um but he became a coin it's like it's the purple it's the you know big purple person i forget who it is um oh it's grimace it's grimace i believe that's how you call um call that character but uh, it's like grimace coin or something like that and um, if Tesla accepts Grimace coin and then like li- I'm li- reading through like the replies there and legit legitimately someone like actually made a cryptocurrency of Grimace coin. <laughs> like it did not exist before the McDonald's tweet. Um, but, you know, someone actually th- I, this is just the Internet taking things. This is just an example of the Internet taking things too far. But they actually made a Grimace coin. And now it's oh like, my gosh. it's actually like a crypt, legit cryptocurrency now. So 
I'm I'm sure uh, Grimace Coin stonks are through the roof right now. Yeah, or something like that. But anyways, that's uh, something I thought was interesting. Also, <laughs> on a um, on an unrelated note, uh, today is a bu- na- a bunch of days. Uh, it's National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Um, it's also Groundhog's Day, and uh, Mark, you alluded to that. It's also National Signing Day as well. Yeah. A lot, a lot of uh, holidays and uh, things going on, um, but uh, some. I think uh, something that we should bring up is there's a new, I believe, collective bargaining agreement um, with the NWSL. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting times. Um, yeah, I saw our last guest actually, uh, Lindsay Agnew, post about it on her social media. Yep. So really cool to hear. Um, admittedly, I'm not as in touch with uh, happenings in the NWSL, but um, just from what I've gathered, it seems like a very positive step um, in just uh, women's equality in sports and yeah, just, uh, just being treated better on the professional level. Definitely. So congrats to um, everyone there and uh, hopefully you know, things continue trend in the right direction there. So I saw like a, a big pay increase and um, other benefits too uh, happening. So I'm really glad they were able to come to a conclusion uh, with that. So, and, you know, as always, we want to do a quick shout out to all our listeners. Thank you so much for continuing to tune into our show, even when, um, you know, we have very, <laughs> we don't have a, um, it can be very hit or miss when we release these. So we appreciate your patience and we're thankful whether you're tuning in for the first time or, you know, have been a loyal listener down the road. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And now we are going to do a new segment here. Mark, you want to talk about this segment? Sure. I don't know if we'll have any like transitional music entering in here, but uh, uh, we have a new segment. There. Yeah, <laughs> we have a new segment here trying to connect with our Gen Z audience. Uh, it's called Cap or Facts. Um, and so basically what we're doing is just having a debate or a discussion. Um, each of us will toss out a statement to the other person um, and the, uh, the respondent will have to reply Cap or Facts um, on whatever, uh, whatever topic. And so um, for those of you not privy to Gen Z slang, Cap means false, um, bad take, uh, cold take. Facts means facts. Like facts. Like that's a fact. Yeah. 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 Seems a lot cooler with the emojis. So, well. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Mark? Do you want to ask me something first? Like ask, ask you for something first? Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could definitely do that. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. All right. So, Albert's. Caperfax, the Cleveland Browns blew their best and only chance at winning an NF- AFC North division title for at least the next 10 years. Oh. Um, you know, I am a pessimistic Browns fan, as you probably saw throughout the last couple of weeks in our text messages, Mark. So I'm going to say that is facts. All right. There's, there's, there's no hope now that uh, – Joey Burrows bringing the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Um, it's it's the week between the the conference championships and the Super Bowl as we're yep. recording today. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think all hope is lost. Yeah, I uh, I mean, we, the Browns have to figure something out. It's not looking like a good situation. So, um, I mean, I I trust the front office. Hopefully, <laughs> so we'll hopefully they get something figured out. All right. Uh, I got a question for you, Mark. Are you ready? All right. Hit me. All right. Uh, Cap or facts? Sydney is the capital of Australia. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Now I have to make me. uh, Now I'm like uh, double guessing myself. I want to say that's. I'm going to sound like an idiot to my Australian friends. Um, I want to say it's Cap. I want to say it's Melbourne. Oh, okay. So you're like half right. So it is cap. Sydney is not the capital okay. of Australia, um, but Melbourne is also not the capital of Australia. So that's, oh, that's really? why I said you're half right. It's actually Canberra or Canberra. I'm sure I'm pronoun- butchering the pronunciation there, but Canberra is the capital of Australia. So. Okay. Interesting. Never, never would have guessed that. Yeah. Now you can use that in a trivia or something like that. Now, you know, (laughs) absolutely. So apologies to my Australian friends. 
Australian listeners. I'll learn and do better next time. Uh, all right, Albert, you uh, ready for the next one? Let's do it. All right. So lots still to be decided or lots still to, to occur, but uh, this is in the realm of uh, men's soccer World Cup qualifying. So uh, Team USA men's soccer will advance past the group stage in this year's World Cup guitar. That's a tough one. I'm going to have to say, you said past the group stages? Yep. They'll advance past the group stage at minimum. I will say, I'll say facts. I'll say facts. I feel good about this this team that they put together. And I, in fact, I saw them like a week ago, actually. Uh, so, and they seem pretty, they look pretty good. Um, so, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be hopeful, and say facts. All right, nice. Any any particular observations from from the match that you saw? You uh, had some pretty good seats, right? Oh yeah, we got some great uh, seats. Thank you. Uh, if you're listening, Matt, thank you um, for inviting me to the game. But yeah, they, we were like only four rows up from the field, so that was awesome. Um, in fact, I mean, it would have had to been a really bad shot, but we I. Uh, Matt and I could have gotten pegged in the face by a ball, but it would have been had to like be a really like really bad shot to sure. uh, do so. So, yes, um, observations. Nice. I don't know. I, I I'm just you know going off my gut feeling. I'm just being hopeful there. So hopeful hopeful facts. Okay. Well, good news. So the USA is actually playing right now against Honduras. Oh. Um, I think it's like their 11th game of qualifying out of 14. Uh, but they're up 2-0 on Honduras at halftime. Let's go. That's huge. So go, go, USA. All right. Are you ready for my last question for you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Uh, this deals with the this deals with Spider-Man. So okay. the new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, is the best movie of the franchise. Cap or facts? Uh, that's a fat cap. I, I could go off on this for a few minutes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, we're, we're probably going to lose some listeners and I, and I don't really apologize on behalf of the podcast, but, uh, okay. So I probably saw the new Spider-Man maybe three, two, three weeks after it was released. Um, I actually did pretty well to avoid any massive spoilers. Um, I probably, I won't talk about any specific things here. Um, but you probably should have seen it already, and I don't. I think it's fair game to talk about it. Um, but I don't know, man. I think for me, my opinion is I think the whole multiverse um, storyline. I think that is a cop out for any creative writing. So basically, I think it's just an out for screenwriters who don't have anything else or better to to write into a wow. film. Wow, well, that's a hot take. We got hot takes dropping here. Please continue, yeah. though. No, I was the movie fun. Yeah, it was it was fun. I had a good time. It was nostalgic. Um, you know, brought in a lot of elements from my childhood, our childhood, um, and at the same time, I felt like I don't know. It felt was one of my friends put it put it best. He said it was just more like fan service, just like appeasing the uh, the the six ten year old child and each of us. Um, but as far as just compelling storyline, I think it's just very cliche. And um, honestly, it was just a riff off previous Spider-Mans, even before this current one with Tom Holland. So I don't know, man. It was, yeah, it was a bummer because I going into it, everyone was saying like, oh, this is the best one ever um, easily in the MCU, best Spider-Man ever. Um, and I just like cannot get behind that even like four percent of the way <laughs> wow four percent of the way all right so you know dropping dropping hot takes over here so we, mark is very adamant about um his feelings for this movie and wants to make that known so all right well yes. no appreciate you uh sharing sharing uh, your opinion on that and uh you know as you said that is a fat cap for sure not the best movie of the franchise at all <laughs> all right that was uh, Capper Facts. Maybe we'll uh, revisit that segment down the road. But um, yeah. let us know or if you maybe, uh, people, maybe people can. Yeah, maybe people can send in some some new debate topics. Yes, yeah. Send us send us new Capper Facts. So um, that'll be good. All right. 
now we're going to transition over into the interview and i um i'd like to give a little background on our next guest here uh his name is Derek Irwin. uh he is he was a punter on the ohio state football team from 2009 to 2011 he's also happens to be my punting and kicking coach uh as well took some lessons with him uh this past year in 2021 and you know fun interview uh, Mark and I had a great time talking to him, and uh, he shared a lot of good stories. And, you know, this all happened because I just randomly, you know, was looking for kicking and punting lessons in Columbus, Ohio one day and, and on Google, and his name just randomly came up. So thank you, Google, uh, for the connection. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Derek Irwin. All right, on this episode of the Join Avenue podcast, we have Derek Irwin. He was a former walk-on punter at The Ohio State University and was with the team from 2009 to 2011. He also happens to be my kicking and punting coach. That's how we actually first got connected. Coach Derek, thank you so much for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, so first question I need to ask you, you know, football, Ohio State football here in Columbus is huge, as you know, uh, and also as Mark knows. What was it like being on the Ohio State football team? So I would have to say it's surreal. It took me a really long time to really understand the importance of it because kind of as it happened and I, I walked on, it just it just didn't seem right because of, you know, where I grew up. I graduated with uh, close to 60 kids in my class. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just a little farm school up uh, up around the Besiris area. So my football team had 40 kids on it from freshman through senior on our varsity team. So when I walked out to some of those first practices and we had 125 players, not to mention all the coaches, athletic trainers and all of that, um, it just <laughs> was a little overwhelming to say the least. Um, and that was just the practice side of it. So then once you actually get into the stadium and play in front of 105,000 people, um, <laughs> it was, I remember the first game that I ran out, I was a little like just overcome with emotion and just, you know, being a lifelong Ohio state fan was something I wasn't ever thinking I would be able to do. So it was, uh, just a great experience. Got to meet a lot of different people, a lot of, you know, just cool people, personalities, professional athletes, things that I would have never imagine doing that i mean yeah that must have been a huge change for you and i mean even like thinking about it if just warming up in the shoe with all those seats and like even pe like people who come to the game early yeah even just like you know doing your punting warm-ups i i feel like you know having all those eyes on you even during warm-ups must have been like intimidating <laughs> at times or was yeah, it take that... some getting used to yeah, they, they used to make fun of me, and my, my name was Game Day because when I would be at Game Day warming up, I would hit the best punts. Like, I'd be getting close to five-second hang time. Oh, my gosh. Just hitting moon balls out there. So, like, anybody watching me warm up was probably like, why is this guy not the starting punter? <laughs> because I would just – I was just locked in and just so – all the adrenaline and everything. So, it was pretty cool. I used to get out there nice and early to – you know, do a good, a bunch of warmups just to soak it all in. Yeah. Did you I have did. a, uh, did you have any like, uh, warmup songs? Like when you're walking from skull session into this year, did you have anything on the playlist that would like get you amped up? You know, I, I listened to a lot of, uh, um, Lincoln park that mm. kind of got me like in the mindset. Um, kid Cuddy had some songs back in the day there that were kind of up on the charts. So I, I was kind of listening to that. And then once we would get into the stadium, I'd always take, uh, my headphones off and just kind of soak in the music because it was always the same uh, coming down the ramp. We were always coming into the theme song to the Sopranos. So it was always just like, oh, that was just like the that's epic. tradition. <laughs> so it was just something pretty cool. Dang. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you, um, you know, you're a walk on punter. Could you take us like through that whole process of how you walked on to the team? Because I was reading somewhere and I mean, you sort of informed me during the, our lessons too, um, is like, you know, in this, in this interview, you said in the NCAA rule book at that time, it said like using a football during tryouts, like you couldn't do that. 
I mean, how did that whole thing work? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know that. Um, when I first went to Ohio State, and again, I went to a really small high school. So I initially went to Ohio State and I wanted to play baseball. So when I got there, the baseball tryouts, I finally found out when they were and I'd missed them by a week. Oh. So I said, shoot, okay, I'll, I'll try football because that's next. And I found out football was in February. So I was on campus working on my punting and, you know, going through everything. And they had kind of like a, a week before the tryouts, it was like an information session. And at that information session, session they said, um, just so you guys are all aware, because NCAA rules, we're not allowed to use any footballs. So we're going to be doing a lot of combine type drills. And they said, if you were a specialist, you have to submit your game film on a tape and it would be reviewed. And you'd still have to do the actual tryout, but you couldn't use any balls. So at that point, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit and said, well, uh, in a week, can I go <laughs> get all my game footage? And do I even have enough game footage? Because in high school, I played quarterback, linebacker, kicker, punter. I played oh all of us because of how small of a school <laughs> we were. And I kind of use punting as like my playoff <laughs> to catch my breath. So I didn't have a ton of great high school clips. So that first year I went in and uh, gave him my game film and had a pretty good combine workout, I guess. But for a punter, I, that's not really that relevant. Um, but there were, I think that first year I was trying to do a count. There was probably about a hundred guys um, that were at that tryout. And I think uh, I've come to find out the next year, they, they had about five or six of them that they, they brought in uh, in terms of walk-ons for two, that would have been 2008. Um, so then that whole next year, understanding that I need to submit a tape, I focused on just making the best footage I possibly could spent tons of summer days, you know, just having my dad out recording me, my friends snapping to me from high school and people using stopwatches um, and just making that best footage I could. So for that next year that I, I would have a really good plethora of uh, plays for them to look at. <laughs> yeah. So from, from that freshman year to the next year, um, what was it like to not make the team and just kind of like that mindset, like, okay, got to get put in even more effort than I already am. So I would say it was really, for me, it was kind of humbling because I'd always been a pretty good athlete growing up and I played football, basketball and baseball, and I had never really had rejection. We didn't have to try out. We didn't, um, you know, I was one of the top athletes on the team for kind of all three of the sports. So I just kind of, while I went in thinking this is a really small chance of me making it, I was in the back of my mind said, Hey, I'm going to make it. I just think I am. Um, and the way that they did it was kind of weird. It was like, Hey, you know, all the coaches have to go out of town on recruiting so if you don't get an email from us in three days, then you didn't make the team. Thanks. I'll try again next year. So I was checking my email like constantly. Like, oh, yeah. Where's this email at? <laughs> I want this email. <laughs> and after about a week, I had to come to reality of, you know what? It's not happening. I need to, mm. you know, gear up and focus and go again. But there was some like real self-doubt there for a week or two. And just like, man, real kind of depression of, that was like my first rejection of not being able to do something. So uh, looking back on it, it probably helped out a lot because I had that fueling fire that I didn't want to feel again. Um, so I kind of used that in that whole next year of just getting better and getting better. And I told myself, I'm going to let them tell me no four times <laughs> before I leave and mm -hmm. not have any regrets once I left Ohio State. Absolutely. So coach, tell us and talk us through, you know, like as you're working on um, your punting skills, talk us through what makes a quote unquote good punt. So it depends on the, the coaching philosophy. <laughs> to me, I like a, uh, you know, 45 yard, uh, four and a half second hang time that's fair caught every time. You've got some coaching philosophies that let's just punt it as far as possible. But normally when you're doing that, your hang time's not as good and the return team can get set up. Um, so that's when we were, when I was at Ohio State, our goal was 40 yards and fair caught every time. So in between from the number to the out of bounds line. So that was like our aiming point. Um, and it seems like in today's uh, football, it's more about let's do the rugby punt. Let's do some kind of weird knuckleball punt that rolls forever. Um, but for me, it's that 40 to 45 yard punt with good hang time. That's fair caught. That's really setting up the team and flipping the field for, uh, for the defense. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting to me 
seeing the game like in the late 2000s when you were playing it seemed like there's a lot more punt returns for touchdowns whereas today it seems like whether it be like fair caught or um touchdown hopefully near the goal line doesn't seem to be as many punt returns do you have an insight on like what could could attribute to that change i think the biggest is the punting formation so back even kind of when i was there they started doing the spread where the you know the punting team has got like two to three yard gaps between them opposed to everybody just being shoulder to shoulder and what you're doing is you're really making lanes that every guy's responsible for going down the field um and it's easier to get out of there if everybody's compact in somebody falls down and you take out three or four guys you can't build those lanes that the mm -hmm. return team is looking for so i think that's the biggest thing and i think also teams are using a lot better athletes now it's not so much linemen you're getting skilled guys that can make juke make the moves and get down the field um so i think between that and just also with the aussie punt guys rolling out and kind of delaying that time to let the coverage team get down there i think that's the combination of all those factors is really just kind of mm. taking those big plays away and coach do you like you know when you're watching a football game and the punter rolls out there do you are you like always critiquing the punter and the punt like do you always have your mind thinking like all right let's see how this this guy does i always do i'm always charting it in my head how far was that you know what kind of <laughs> hang time was it i hate i i just i was never a fan of the aussie punt so whenever i see guys rolling out to the side just i shake my head and say ah. <laughs> that's not how you punt it um even though that's how everybody's kind of morphing into these days but yes i do and then in the nfl when i watch those games i say you know these guys are doing things fundamentally wrong but they're such freak athletes that they just overcome it and just have such powerful legs that it's unreal <laughs> because because contrary to popular belief like the rollout punt or the you know the rugby style punt or the like aussie punt um i heard you know since you're like you're not you're not kicking straight you're not kicking through the ball it's you're sort of swiping at it. you actually lose power when you do that right yep but what they're doing there is they're more concerned with letting the coverage team get downfield mm. and limiting the return so they're they're living with a shorter punt so it might only be 40 yards whereas you step back and do a spiral punt it might be you know 55 or 60 but <laughs> you've lost all that time for the team to get down there so the return man if he gets his head up and can see those alleyways that's where you start getting into those big big plays big return mm -hmm. issues um speaking of the nfl in your opinion who do you think is the best punter in the game right now you know there's a lot of uh a lot of guys that are good the the colquitt family always seems to have somebody that's just out there booming them and they always seem to be very uh fundamentally sound so i think those guys have always been like how i've kind of modeled my game um but there, there's a lot of good ones the uh the cowboys punter he's right up there mm. um got got a huge leg i was really impressed with the steelers punter um they they took in the fifth round presley hard yeah he get he got a little shaky uh later in the year but i'm a steelers fan so i went out and watched a couple <laughs> games and i love to go watch the pregame watch these guys hitting uh, the balls and he was just hitting just absolute moon balls out there like unreal just beautiful spiral nosing over just everything you're looking for so I, i'm excited for percy harvin i hope that uh you know, next year he, he really gets you know over that sophomore slump and can avoid it and have a really good year gotcha and uh coach you know we actually had a uh, long snapper uh, he used to long snap at Texas A&M. He was, um, he's one of Mark's friends um, on the show earlier. Uh, so, you know, we got to poke his head a little bit in terms of, you know, the long snap game. But uh, could you tell us a little bit about like your relationship with long snappers? I mean, you are holding, um, you're catching, obviously, you know, you got to catch it to punt, but also mm -hmm. you got to catch the, you know, hold for the kicker as well. Could you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your long snapper and just the relationship between like the punter and the long snapper in general? Yep. Um, of the specialists, I would say the specialists kind of have like their own tight knit community, really. <laughs> and even the whole team in general, because when you look at the whole NCAA season, a lot of people think, well, football's in the fall, but really there's only about a two week 
break kind of between each chunk of time. So you've got the season when it ends after the bowl, after the bowl game, you get a little bit of time off and then you go straight into spring ball. Spring ball goes on, get a couple of weeks off and you start summer conditioning, um, get it like a week or so off before fall camp. And then you're right into it. So you're with that position group. We work out together. Um, you do all the drills together, practice together. A lot of us room together. Um, and then at practice, we're together the whole time. So really um, specialists are just have a bond. And I would say I had probably more so with the long snappers that I played with just because, like you said, I'm fielding the snap from them both on punt and on, as I held. Um, and some of those guys I still have really good relationships with. Uh, Jake McQuaid was the long snapper in 2009 and 10. Uh, this past year he played is, is with the Cowboys, so he's still playing. Uh -huh. Uh, he was with the Rams for a long time, so I still stay in contact with him, just check in, see how he's doing. Um, but we would always work, and Jake was really good at it. Same with George McCreedis, um, who was a snapper after him. I really envied how great they were on the rotation of the ball. So they could hold the ball and on a field goal, snap it, and have the rotation correct so that when I caught it, laces would always be facing forward. And they, they, just, yeah, they just got awesome. the rotation down. Um, so Jake and George both made my job a heck of a lot easier because when I'm catching it and just putting it down, not having to worry about the laces is, it's a beautiful thing. Cause the whole operation is like, you know, one and a quarter seconds from snap to kick. So any wasted time affects everything. Um, so that was, that was something I really enjoyed that just how perfect they made their craft. Um, do punters have to be pretty good at catching the ball? Because like, do do the long snappers like really like put some force into that ball when they snap? They it? do, and it's funny you say that because I always thought I had pretty decent hands, but when I first walked on, I was having trouble catching the snaps because they were coming back so hard. Um, so what Coach Trestle did when he focused on the punting game, we would uh, go and actually catch from the jugs machine. They'd shoot the balls out just like a receiver. And so we spent time with that. Then we go from the judge machine to go work with the quarterbacks and be the receiver dummies as they were warming up. So we'd have to, you know, hold our hands up to the certain spot and have Terrell rifle it at us as, <laughs> as hard as he wanted to. So over the course of time, uh, I got really good hands, and I think that helped with holding, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that was something that caught me off guard was just the velocity of the ball coming out. Most of the snaps, so they're at about 13 to 14 yards, and they were targeting anywhere from like a 0.68 to 0.72 snap from them to me catching it um, in order to ensure it wasn't blocked. So that was like our target time. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's Jeez. really did fast. You have, uh, yeah, did you have those specialty gloves that receivers nowadays wear? You know, I wanted some. I never got any. The equipment guy would not uh, dish those out to me. I thought I might be able to get a chance when we were up in Minnesota and it was about 35 degrees. Ooh, like, yeah. Hey, I really need these of anything. I just need my hand. <laughs> no, you're not getting them today. So unfortunately, <laughs> I never got any gloves. That's the, oh, bummer. I'm very bitter about that. They had some sweet gloves. <laughs> oh, they, they looked sweet, especially yeah. like the pro combat uh, ones and stuff like that. Yeah, they, th those gloves should be. Uh, be banned because i mean it's, it feels like you got stick them on them so <laughs> some of them one-handed catches are definitely aided by the gloves for sure <laughs> so coach yeah speaking of you know your time working with with coach trestle tell us what it was like being under him obviously we got to see a lot of him in the public eye versus like in press conferences on the sideline um what was he like behind the scenes and practice day to day so what you saw from him in public is exactly what he was like um behind the scenes, which I really appreciated being a lifelong Buckeye fan and seeing the behind the scenes of, you know, what goes on. Um, what really struck me is somebody that, you know, kind of had that power and influence was also took the time to know every single player, knew details about everybody. Um, it was one of the first practices that we had when I was a walk-on and due to a lot of the NCAA violate or not violations, but the rules that you don't have, commit violations, coaches aren't allowed to have touches in the offseason with players. It's really just the strength and conditioning staff. Mm -hmm. So I, I walked on in February and we started spring practice probably, I think it was like the middle of March. 
So in that time frame, I, I really didn't see him or interact with him at all. It was all just the strength staff. And we had uh, one of those early practices. He always came out with the kickers and punters early and did some of the charting times and distances and whatnot. And he came out with his stopwatch and he just said, hey, Derek, uh, you know, how, how's Buckeye Central going to be this year? And that was my high school. So I'm like, man, this, this guy, he knows my high school already. I haven't even met him yet. <laughs> and he, he was like, you know, uh, you know, how, how's uh, how's your classes going? You're civil engineering, right? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I am. So to <laughs> me, talk about feeling appreciated and um, just all the, you know, respect and everything for the guy that I had for him to come out and um, just take the time to even, you know, introduce himself. Like, yeah, hey, I'm Coach Trestle. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know who you are. <laughs> So it was just, it was just, you know, something that it really touched me. And even still to this day, I kind of get goosebumps. The fact that he, you know, knew, knew his players to that level. And it was everybody. It was every single player knew your high school, knew about your family. Wow. Um, I don't know how he did that <laughs> because I struggle uh, with people that I meet, but obviously his memory is just amazing. But yeah, just, just a great guy. Uh, he really focused on, um, life after football and way more stuff outside of football. So each year we had to come up with uh, kind of our goals and plans for the year. And there was eight sections, uh, seven or eight. I have to go back and look, but seven or eight sections. Only one was related to football. The other ones were, wow. what are you going to do outside of football? What are you going to do in the community? What are you going to do with church, your spiritual life? You know, just all these other different aspects. What do you want to do when you grow up? Because, you know, the lifespan in the NFL is three years on average. So mm -hmm. even if you're great, <laughs> three years, you're going to be in your mid twenties. So what are you doing after that? Mm -hmm. So just having that mentality, I, I know really resonated with me and so many of the guys on the team that, you know, he was just that father figure that when you're in an influential time of your life, needing some guidance, he gave it to you. And he had that, uh, presence that everybody just kind of understood it and said okay here <laughs> got it i'm moving forward so that i really appreciate you know those interactions in that time well i mean i did hear a lot of good things about uh coach trestle and you know i think you just validated all of it coach yeah, probably, if you heard a good thing it was probably true <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah i i actually remember so i was in the ohio state gym and the rpac i was in the hot tub one day and i just happened to be sitting next to uh uh, one of the players, I forgot what position he played and we just started chatting and he was, um, he was part of, uh, Trestle's team, like his last few years and, um, yeah, kind of echoed more or less exactly the same things that you were saying. Yeah. And the, what, what I really appreciated about him too, is he was always super humble. So if like, I would always watch him from a distance, people would come watch practice, people would be at different events and everybody wanted his autograph. He would make sure that anybody wanted his autograph. Wow. he made sure to stick around and give it mm -hmm. to him so he made time for people he you know talked about how much he appreciated them he really uh spent a lot of time and energy with the troops so we did a lot of things for the troops for the the hospitals around and you know a lot of stuff that didn't make it out into the news of just good stuff you know normally they're there to you know show a lot of the stuff that we do but he did a lot behind the scenes that he never wanted any credit for he just wanted to do the right thing and help people out so he's a great is a great guy and obviously that's why Youngstown State is doing so well right now because he's up there and mm -hmm. just flourishing yeah he, he's the president over there right I believe yep. the last yep. update I had awesome um okay actually going back to special teams here and also with coach Tressel so um my friend Nate if you're listening uh, you submitted this question thank you for your question um so could you talk about like the emphasis of special teams under coach Tressel's um, leadership versus maybe coach fickle or, and I know you didn't play for under coach Myers, but I'm sure, you know, from watching the game, you probably picked up a few things here or there. Yep. So we had signs in the, in the facility that said, you know, punts the most important play in football. He used that all the time. Mm -hmm. So before we started any like team meetings, we'd always start with special teams, go through like the game plan. It would always be special teams first. Um, like I had mentioned, we always did special teams at the beginning of practice and coach Trestle was always involved with that. He was always out there timing it. He was watching, helping coach. Um, he kind of each year had a, an assistant that was like in charge of special teams, um, kind of each grouping. So uh, I think like coach fickle oversaw punt a couple of times, 
Um, a couple of the receiver coaches helped with kickoffs and kick return, but uh, he was heavily involved and made it a presence to be in all the meetings and just kind of drilled it into our brain that special teams can win and lose games. And he always called punt the special, most important play in football because while you're not going to win any games with punch, you can definitely lose game with bad punts um, and giving them the field position. So that was something we always preached. And he was uh, just really highly involved <laughs> in the, the whole game plan and everything. Um, under Coach Fickle, it, there wasn't really much difference just because he was kind of under that whole umbrella of, you know, special teams is the most important play or most important part of the game and punt is the most important play. And he had oversaw punt, at least the blocking scheme under Coach Trestle. So a lot of, like, there was really no difference from me. He preached the same uh, punt, you know, most important play and just uh, was all over special teams, very similar to Coach Trestle's uh, time. Well, yeah, I mean, um, special teams obviously can make a huge difference. I mean, take note, we just had a game like I think two weeks ago, the Packers and the 49ers. Look what the special teams, I think the difference of that game was the special teams. In fact, It was, yep. It came down to that field goal and they lost. So, yep, win and lose your games, especially in the big ones. And that's what you'll notice when you look around college football, especially when you see the teams that are in the top ten they normally have solid special teams and it's teams so much, especially like in high school, they really focus just on offense and defense, like ah, special teams, whatever, it'll take care of itself. And that's where you get the weird plays, the block punts, the, mm. you know, stuff that really turns a game upside down. So focusing on all the details. And that, that was the, the other big thing he approached was uh, do your job, know all the details of your job and work together as a unit. So that was really big on just everybody know your job, do your job. And awesome. Thanks for clarifying that coach Derek. Um, so I know this, we, you knew this was coming. Uh, we have to talk about it, but you know, the whole 2010, um, you know, scandal that happened at first, like, you know, when it came out to public, it was a huge shock, obviously. I remember mm. like seeing it on ESPN and be like, what the heck is going on here? Um, so, I mean, could you just, take us like through your whole experience uh, with that ordeal and you know how did the team react to it how did you guys figure out about it at first and you know what was the locker room like you know during that time so actually i found out about it through uh, espn as well <laughs> i was we were i think it was over <laughs> memorial day weekend is kind of when all that went down so we were all gone for break um and we had like a long weekend off and so that's how I found out about it was sitting at home with my parents watching TV and said, what the heck is going on? Derek, Next. did you know about this? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I did not. Um, and I guess living through it, it was, it was kind of odd to me because in the locker room, I didn't feel any difference. And I didn't, obviously the guys that it affected, um, they obviously felt it and, uh, stepped away and had those different things that occurred. But I mean, the locker room stayed in unif uh, stayed united and you listen to ESPN and they were talking about, you know, all oh, the teams falling apart and everybody's like, it's just like the earth's coming to an end. It did not feel that way at all. So it would be like, you'd go live the practice and have everything. You go home, listen to the ESPN, all the people talking on the radios. And it's like, that's, that's not <laughs> how it feels at all. Um, so it was really interesting. And because before that, I, I believed, you know, ESPN is the gospel truth. I'm like, well, this is a situation where I am living it <laughs> and I'm, I'm seeing some differences here. So, you know, looking back, it was kind of a, just a really odd time. And now you look at the NIL stuff yeah. that's going on and you think, well, guys were selling some of their own jerseys. Okay. <laughs> it was just really weird. Very uh, small infractions that turned into just a huge ordeal that kind of flipped that whole year upside down for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking great thing that social media hadn't exploded like it is today, like with Twitter and exactly um, all these instance, instant news sources. Cause that's, I mean, it was seemed like a cluster um, when it first came out, but to imagine what it would have been like if it happened today. Exactly. That's what I was 
I talk to my wife about all the time, like, you know, go back 10 years to me, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but <laughs> a lot has changed in 10 years, especially with social media and just how quick everything happens and um, just all the tweets and everything just, you know, explodes everything way more. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it was not, the locker room was not falling apart. Guys were not all fighting each other and everything that was all over the news. And we were, you know, together and you look at that season, even we had the six losses, but all those games we were in and there was a play here or there that we could have very easily, you know, change two, two plays each game and we have one loss. So it's just, mm-hmm. it was not a, not a good time for all that to happen. And kind of coach fickle got stuck with what could have been a very different season. Like I said, a couple of plays go here or there and we're right back in it. So definitely create a lot of distractions for sure. Um, but I think overall that we stayed united as a group of guys and really were in it for each other and just kind of did what we could to block out all the, the noise coming from outside. Um, in just like going back to that whole like scandal I, I mean, when you found out that that whole season would be vacated, I'm sure like you weren't pretty happy about it, right? Or, you know, the other guys were like, you just played that whole season for basically you nothing. Know, to me, you vacate the season, whatever. We played the games and we won the games in 2010. So, yeah, you, they vacated the season, but we still won those games. It's not like these guys were taking performance-enhancing drugs that mm-hmm. made them so much better. Um, we won those games. So to me, it was disheartening because we won a big 10 championship that year. And mm. we had a, uh, if you go into the Woody Hayes center, which is the training center there, they've got a wall of big 10 champions and it's all the team photos and everything. So that came down and all of that <sighs> which was disappointing. But to me, I, I still say we won the big 10 and we won the sugar bowl. So whatever, maybe yeah. <laughs> take, put a little asterisk up by the season, but we still want it those games that's crazy it is oh mark do you want to ask your question oh sure yeah no i think in line of that thinking of like all the games from the 2011 season like some of them some of them close losses if a couple plays moved the other way i was even thinking like the season also has some pretty big highlights too i was thinking of the uh the wisconsin game like the last um braxton miller throws a bomb 30 (laughs) seconds left in the game um against russell wilson um, yeah, I guess even in light of everything that happened that season, what was that moment like for you experiencing that in person? That was a awesome game <laughs> because and it, it just, it was a night game. It was a full crowd. Yeah. Like you said, we we're playing Russell Wilson. Everybody knew he was really good talking about coming out, you know, a high pick in the draft. Um, just I don't know. It's like all the stars aligned that night. Everyone we played like great on both sides of the ball. Um, and actually, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but that game, I actually got special teams uh, player of the game. So it's even hey. more special to me. So what? I got little dog tags uh, with my name and the score on them. That's awesome. Um, Let's go. We, yeah. We had some bad snaps uh, that I fielded that game. So um, they went ahead and gave me the special teams, uh, player of the game that that week so it kept wow there you go game. <laughs> yeah there, we had two games that i was a part of that the crowd rushed the field so that was one and the other one was iowa when we kicked devin barkley kicked the game winning field goal to go to the rose bowl in 2009 mm. um so that that was an amazing the, the crowd rushing the field is just something that i don't know it's just a like a goosebump <laughs> <laughs> uh activity you look around it's just people coming from out all areas uh, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was with my parents in like, you know, this third or fourth row of the the stands there. So they jumped over the fence and came down and were running around. And she still talks about it to this day of just of how that was just such a great <laughs> experience. And they were running around on the field and they looked to their left and they saw Gordon Gee. <laughs> so he, <laughs> yes, oh my gosh. Gordon Gee. <laughs> he was out what there a with throwback like, name. Gee. <laughs> yeah. So that's an old Ohio State president. Um, yes. Yes. Very, very tiny, tiny man. Um, but I could totally <laughs> picture him rushing the field. Yeah, yeah he probably led the charge. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Um, so part of that season, you know, that was the debut season of Braxton Miller, who was like a, you know, pretty big name coming out of high school, a lot of hype surrounding him. I guess, like, what was your first impressions of him when he, like, took the field that season? You know, Braxton was always, like, just really quiet. So he didn't really say much. You could see the talent that he had. And he was just real humble, real quiet, like real nice down to earth guy. Um, so I was happy to see him get a chance and watch him practice. I mean, him and uh, Joe Bowserman were, you know, competing. And that's what you listen again to ESPN and all the, the radio talking. And I mean, watching him practice, they both were real competitive. So it's tough to just tell Joe, hey, sorry, <laughs> Braxton needs mm-hmm. to start over you. Um, so that I think is why they started with Joe. Um, but Braxton just had that running ability of just, like knowing where the defender was going to be going and be able to juke him out. Um, so ultimately that, you know, is kind of what helped boost him into the starting role, but just great athlete, great talent, um, great guy. He still puts on camps um, here every fall uh, over in um, at the old Urbana university. And so just gives back to the community, just overall great guy and great talent for sure. So I was happy to see him in there. He did some pretty cool things. I wish I would have got to play with him when he was a little older. So he had, you know, more of that game experience. I think that first year he was more, you know, just reacting. Whereas as he got older, he could, you know, had more time to read the defense and uh, refined his um, just overall skills. But yeah, just great athlete for sure. Did you have to catch uh, passes uh, from him in, you know, to warm up the quarterback? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every year we were the, uh, we were the dummy receivers that, you know, <laughs> catch it here, catch it yeah. here, catch it low, pretend to do the out route. So <laughs> what worked on them hitting the spots because it's better to throw to a real person than throwing at an actual dummy. That's not catching it. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, who you didn't threw... have to do the, uh, oh, I was uh, going to say, you didn't have to do the toe drag. Did you? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, they were all in uh, st- stationary, but I may have, you know, done a couple toe drags just to say, look, I can be. Oh, shot. nice. So, <laughs> yeah. Not close on the speed whatsoever, but <laughs> can catch. Did uh, who threw it the hardest out of, you know, all the quarterbacks you have to catch, bro? From uh, Terrell Pryor, not even close to anybody else. He had a cannon? <laughs> he, he had a cannon. Yes, absolute cannon. There was a couple times where I thought I broke a, a finger because just oh it was so hard. Just he jammed fingers, thought I broke fingers. Just, yeah, absolute cannon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Coach Derek, so, uh, you know, going back to punting here, you know, I've what Mark and I have noticed a lot in, like, especially in today's college game, a lot of the punters, they're like Australian rugby players or, like, some, you know, they have some type of rugby experience. But, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of, like, we've seen a lot of, you know, Australians come over and be punters. Uh, I mean, do you happen to know, like, you know, what's the trend behind that? Or is there like, um, either from your, from your visual as like a punter, you know, um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I think at least there was a couple Aussie guys that came to Ohio state when I was there. And I think part of it is like a rugby ball versus a football is the rugby ball is bigger and heavier. So their legs are just naturally kicking a heavier ball. So they get a little more workout, I guess I'll say, so to speak, on the mm-hmm. ball. So when you're kicking a smaller, lighter ball, um, they got a little advantage there. And the guys that have come in that I've seen that are Aussies are taller. So they're in that, like, you know, six foot to six four range oh. where they've just got that longer leg, longer lever um, using the physics of their bodies uh, pretty well. And with um, rugby, there's a lot more uh, physical abilities that they're doing more so than just a lot of standard punters. So a lot of them are just really good athletes Mm -hmm. when they come over. So I think you just put those all together. They've kind of got the technique, they've got the uh, power, um, and they've got kind of more of the the height that gives them a natural leg up on the lever of the physics behind the punting game. Yeah, it's interesting because I, um, I mean, I I don't know the players before they come over um, as, as students, but when they're recruited, are they still in high school? Do they have professional experience? Um, are you aware of like how they're even scouted? You know, I'm not sure. There's got to be like some type of 
tunneling system to get them over here because it seems like there's so many of them now that are coming over for all the different colleges. So I don't know if it's kind of like here um, in the United States where, you know, there's some camps that kind of identify here's the top, you know, 10 guys in the United States and then coaches kind of use that. So punting and kicking is not one that I think you go out and you watch a whole bunch of game film and, you know, you're going to watch these guys. You're just looking at lists of camps that have already done kind of all the evaluations and they're taking that and funneling it. So I think, I, I assume it's the same. I can't speak to that in mm. truth or anything, but it just seems like there are a heck of a lot of Australian punters over here now. Yeah. And uh, I think they just kind of get that technique down and, the coach, one guy, football is a lot about copycat league, and they say that about the NFL. So if you get one punter that does great, like, well, where'd he come from? Then you start looking over there and say, wow, we need to get some more of those guys. So I think that's part of it. There's just been a lot of success with the guys that have come over from Australia. So that's helped the cause for sure for them. Um, so we're, we're almost on time here. Um, we'll just like, you know, conclude this uh, interview with a couple more questions. But Coach Derek, uh, who would you say is your favorite teammate of all time? I would say that just because of how he treated everybody, Cam Hayward. Oh, Cam Hayward. Nicest, nicest guy that you could have possibly met. I mean, day one, I walk into the facility and I'm like overwhelmed by everything. He comes up, introduces himself. Hey, I'm Cam Hayward. Glad you're here. And the whole time never, you know, acted like he was better than anybody else. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say, you know, him and I are like best friends or anything, but just from a personality type, uh, just great guy, just, you know, he's doing great things in the NFL and I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> he's always been super humble, um, very approachable, very, you know, bring the whole team under his wing. Um, so he, he's right up there. And then Jake McQuaid, like I said, who snaps for the Cowboys, he was always, always there, had my back. He was older. So I always looked up to him. Um, but those two guys just really set an example of what it's like to be a great person and teammate. Um, you mentioned you're a Steelers fan, um, <laughs> which I would say is daring for being an Ohioan. Um, <laughs> but what are your overall thoughts on Big Ben retiring this season? You know, I couldn't believe it, but 18 years is forever. Just in my mind, it's like, man, he's just going to be there forever. I go back and I was 15 <laughs> when he started. That's so he's like, wow. everything that I remember is Big Ben. Um, I don't remember watching much football younger than that, or at least for the Steelers and everything. So I, d I will admit, you know, when he played the last game at the Browns, I, I had a hard time turning it off. I just sat and just kind of watch the camera panning and following him and, you know, getting with his family. And I just kind of felt that, you know, sadness of, you know, he put in all his time and at least he got to go out the way he wanted to. Um, something you don't see anymore. Guys are all chasing the money. And he certainly over his years could have gotten more had he left, but he felt, you know, mm -hmm. committed to Pittsburgh and just that loyalty is something that I really liked. You know, he had his controversies in his younger years, but I think he's really going out on a high note. And he, I don't think he's going to be somebody you see all over the media. I think he's just kind of going to, you know, fade off and, you know, do what, do some family time for a while. Fade off into the sunset, right off into the <laughs> sunset. Yeah. So, all right, Mark, you want to ask any like last question for him and then we'll wrap it up here. Sure. Um, yeah. How is Albert's kicking game? <laughs> you know, the clips that he has sent me, he has definitely improved. And what, what I, what I've liked about working with Albert is he will take any information that I give it, give to him. He's not too good. Said, Nope, this is how I do it. This, this is what I'm doing. He takes it very ambitiously and goes forward and um, really focuses on it. So I really appreciate students like Albert that uh, are willing to listen and, not come to me as the know-it-all and just like, Hey, fix one or two things with me here. And he's really been open-minded and I've done some weird, you know, drills with him, probably got him out of his comfort zone for sure. <laughs> so it's all been for the betterment, but the last couple clips he sent me, I've seen some great improvement on the punt game specifically. Oh yeah. Well, there thank you, you coach. Uh, yeah. Always appreciate the feedback, anything you can give me and um, yeah. always fun for sure. All right. Well, um, 
we're actually way over time right now. So we'll just wrap it up right no here. But Coach Derek, thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, talk to us today. Learned a lot about Ohio State football behind the scenes. You know, this was fantastic for us as fans. Um, and yeah, Mark, you got anything else you want to say? Nope. Just thank you so much. Yeah. Really insightful. And um, yeah. Awesome to get a chance to chat with you. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you again soon. All right. We just finished up our interview with uh, Derek Irwin, my kicking and punting coach. Great interview. Great interview. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on the interview? Uh, oh, man, it was awesome. I love talking with Coach Derek. Um, you know, as a fellow Buckeye and Ohio State football fan, I love hearing stories from uh, back in the day, uh, also some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, um, yeah, just really cool to you, the, um, yeah, just the kind words that he had for Coach Trestle. And just, um, I don't know, I think it's really cool because I look up to Coach Trestle a lot, and I think it's really neat to hear that, yeah, he's the same person off the field as he is, um, how we've portrayed him, or maybe even how he's portrayed in the media. In the media. Um, and yeah, I think, as you were saying, Youngstown State is in pretty good hands. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and for me, um, you know, a lot of stuff, oh, I mean, some stuff like he definitely alluded to since, you know, I had some lessons with him. You know, we talk about Ohio State football. He's mentioned some of the stuff before, but it was nice to like really hear him expand on all those topics. And, you know, I, I love like obviously kicking and punting and talking about all those details, like hang times, all those like, you know, the seconds matter and such. So always appreciate, you know, listening to that. And, um, and you know, that, the whole Wisconsin game from 2011, that the 2011 season, you know, did not know, you know, he was the special teams player of the game for that. So that was really cool. And, you know, if he didn't uh, hold those punts or not hold those punts, hold those snaps. Well, we could be, we could have a very different outcome in that game. So, you know, that's, that's sort of mind boggling to think about. So, but it was an awesome interview. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Mark, do you know what time it is? Uh, time to end the show, right? That is incorrect. It's actually time for your favorite. I know it's your favorite and everyone's favorite part of the segment or not segment. Everyone's favorite segment. Everyone's favorite part of the show it is that time. It is time for dad jokes of the month. And you got it. This is how we do it. It's been a while. There are three dad jokes that I will tell mark because he loves them and you know mark at the end of them he'll pick the best one or the worst one or whatever it is and you know he can give a reasoning if he wants to but that's how this segment works so mark are you ready to go here are you ready to hear these uh sure yeah i mean it's been a while so it couldn't hurt that bad <laughs> all right here we go first dad joke of the month and this comes from a friend of the show andrew so thank you andrew for uh, sending this one in. So um, this one's actually directed at you. Uh, why were you never good at darts? <laughs> why? It's because you just couldn't hit the mark. Oh, That's why. <laughs> That's why I was laughing so much earlier. Oh, everyone needs to look I wish everyone could look at Mark's face right now <laughs> I mean it was really I was, clever so I was I was very confused why it was directed at me and I was trying to figure it out like I was like why darts like I haven't played darts in a long time but uh yeah we we're not allowed to swear on the show are we I <laughs> if I mean if we do I'll have to like put a boink sound or some type of edit okay. over it no, but. no, it's okay. I, I can control myself. <laughs> but that's why I was laughing so much in the pre-show um, or when we weren't recording as I was typing it down because of, because of that. So very clever, Andrew. And he was actually like waiting for months to, uh, <laughs> to hear that. So, all right. Again, thank you. All right. This next one comes from Haley. So thank you, Haley, uh, for sending this joke in. Uh, so I asked an electrician to fix an electrical issue at my house the other day. And guess what he did? What? He refused. 
Do you get it? I I do. I do. <laughs> I know this is an audio podcast, but it's hard to have a verbal reaction. <laughs> if if this if this video recording ever gets released, you could see the see you the can English. see all yeah. If if it ever gets re- uh, released on YouTube or whatever video format, yeah, you'll get to see all these reactions. So, yeah. I can assure you that he's smiling. He's smiling and laughing. <laughs> that's that's one way to put it okay all right last one uh what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie uh what so fish decated <laughs> get it uh, get it yeah yeah i do i do i do yes all right well it's that time mark pick one pick one pick one um yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Andrew. I appreciate the shout out, even if it's for uh, painstaking reasons. Um, yeah, yeah, good, good use of the name. So, uh, congrats, Andrew. You're joke one this month. So, wow, uh, that was it was quite clever. I will have to admit, it was quite clever for sure. Yeah, please, please don't send any more in ever again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like we're done here for this episode. It was quite fun. Um, we were away for a little bit, but glad to be back. Um, anything else you want to add, Mark, before we conclude? Sure. Well, first off, thank you so much again to Coach Derek. Um, it was an awesome interview. Um, great for me to meet him. Um, think you're in good hands, Albert, with the with your punting and kicking game. Um, yeah, just a reminder to our listeners, whether you're a first timer or coming back for more, um, you can follow us on Instagram. From there, you can connect to our different ways of connection. So we have an email link to there. You can also click our link to our anchor page where you can not only access um, our podcast through whatever streaming service you listen to, you could also send in a voice recording um, for whatever segment uh, could be uh, topic ideas, something you disagree with um, from any of our discussions or debates. Um, or if you really want to, you could send in some dad jokes, but uh, don't necessarily recommend Please. that. Please love Mark loves him. So, oh yes, and our our Instagram is at the Join Avenue Podcast. Yep. All right. Well, is that it, Mark? I believe so. Yeah, it's right, a good you episode. Know, you know what that means. Hit it, Mark. 